And we're back with another exciting episode of Unwritten Rules and Iowa Cubs podcast. My name is Beth Niesgren, Marketing Manager here at the Iowa Cubs, and I will be your host for this week's episode. As you're listening, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. This week, I'm joined by some very special guests right here within our Iowa Cubs front office. Any fan that's purchased the tickets to an Iowa Cubs game has likely interacted with one of these guys in some way, shape, or form, whether those were single game tickets, picnic packages, or even renting a Skybox suite. So with me here today, I've got Clayton Granquist, our Director of Ticket Operations, Jason Gellis, our Director of Group Outings, and Brent Conkle, longtime VP of Premium Seating and Corporate Marketing. Guys, how's it going? Great to be here. Good. We're happy to help. <laughs> all right. So really, this episode of the podcast is just taking fans behind the scenes of all things ticketing at the ballpark. So before we get into that, let's just share with fans a little bit about each of you, how you got into the positions you're in today with the organization. So just give them a brief overview of everything, how long you've been with the organization, how you got to this point, a bit more about your specific roles, all that. So Brent, you've been here the longest. You're the senior member of the ticketing staff. You go first. I did get a long time in front of my title, which is fine. <laughs> Uh, that, that wasn't meant to be a personal attack. No, that's fine. It's, it's very accurate. So uh, <laughs> I'm uh, getting ready to start my 25th season here with the Iowa Cubs. Uh, I go back to 1998 when I was an intern helping out in group sales. Got hired full-time after the 99 season and have done different things. Group sales director, oversaw the skyboxes, different things uh, through the years. And now I oversee all of our premium seating. And also I do corporate marketing, which basically... Uh, I'm on our sales staff. We can sell uh, anything we've got here at the ballpark. Clayton, what do you got? Well, this will be my fourth season uh, with the team here, so a little bit shorter stint so far than Brent, but he's been a good guidance for all of us, so it's it's good to have people like that in the organization. Um, so, I, uh, yeah, my primary roles as the director of ticket operations include a d- couple of different things, um, primarily overseeing the functionality of the ticket system uh, for our customers. I'm kind of liaison between our ticket system and our operation or our organization. So anything that needs to be built out, whether it's starting from each event before the season, building all those out, building out packages, uh, kind of the back end stuff. Um, I'm really responsible for making sure those sorts of things work for our customers, our groups department with Jason, Skybox and Bud Club with Brent, um, and even our accounting with some of the reporting we do mid-season and at the end of the season. So um, that's kind of my primary stuff. That's a lot of the stuff I do on or do from day to day uh, during the offseason. Um, obviously, as we start to get into the season a little bit more, my role switches more into managing the ticket office uh, and the customer service arm of our ticket office, making sure that staff knows how to answer questions, um, go through specific policies, those sorts of things. I also do oversee our season ticket base and our mini plans, so all those packages Uh, fall under my umbrella as well. I also am a part of the uh, sales team, so an account executive, meaning just like Brent or Jason or any one of our sales staff members, we can sell uh, a wide variety of things to corporate sponsors, uh, including season tickets, group outings, skyboxes, advertising, all those sorts of things. So I have a few different types of roles within the organization, primary focus obviously being the ticket operations. And so doing that has been a a great uh, opportunity for me Originally, I worked for a team in Waterloo called the Waterloo Bucks, uh, was the assistant GM there for a couple of years, um, and just really found my niche in ticketing and enjoyed that. Being from Des Moines, uh, when this position became available, I applied and was lucky enough to get it. So that's kind of a little bit about me. Perfect. So this is year number eight, 2022 for myself. I started as an intern in 2015, actually, as Brent's intern, helping out with the Skybox um, and premium level seating. 
Uh, after the 2015 season, I ended up taking a full-time position out in Reno, Nevada, working for the AAA of the Diamondbacks, the Reno Aces. And after a short stint there, it made sense for me to come back as a position became open back with the Iowa Cubs. And I went through the interview process and ended up accepting that, uh, being closer to home, being from the Chicagoland area, being with an organization that I was with already and familiar with. It, it just made the most sense for me um, to come back. I also assist Clayton in the ticket office when needed. Part of that is being in a ticket window on game day. And then also, like both of them mentioned, I'm part of the sales staff as well, which gives me the opportunity to sell that full menu of options that we have here at the ballpark. So, Awesome. So as we all know, anybody who attends an Iowa Cubs game needs a ticket to walk through the gates. That is the basics of what we do here and how we put on an Iowa Cubs game. And now a common question that we get a lot of the time, once we, the final out happens here at Principal Park for a season, we go into our off season and a lot of people ask, do you guys work in the off season or what do you guys do? What does that look like for you? And well, the short answer is yes, we do work year round. There's a lot to do in the off season because the baseball season is long. There's a lot that goes into putting on a baseball season um, so that our fans can come and enjoy the experience. So kind of on the ticketing side of things, as you guys get ready to, to put tickets on sale, to reserve outings and, and reserve skyboxes, things like that, what goes into your preparation as far as, you know, Clayton, you touched on this a little bit already, getting the ticket system ready for a new year and just really getting ready to start selling tickets from one season to the next. Yeah. Um, so for us, really a big chunk of what we do, and we really do this as a team, is, is starting to plan for the next year. Planning means a wide variety of different things from pricing strategies, you know, how much are season tickets, how much are single game tickets, how much are skyboxes this year, looking at those numbers uh, within the budget from the year before, figuring out what we need to hit this year and, and how we're going to get there. So, you know, the great thing about our operation is that we are so team oriented. So a lot of these decisions are discussed as a whole. So we really get insight into each and every part of the structure of what we're going to do. So um, that's a big part of it. But obviously, at some point, planning has to transition into into doing. For me, uh, what that really looks like is, like you mentioned, and like you mentioned, I mentioned, uh, building the ticket system uh, out. So everything that you see online uh, has to be built from scratch. Um, I would, I guess, compare it a lot to a, a very basic IT type of position where I'm building out uh, events and how they sell and building their structures for pricing and and all the stuff that uh, if I talk too much about our listeners might fall asleep but you know then you get into the sales side which is the part that we all I think really enjoy talking with customers talking in my case with season ticket holders potential clients uh, new and returning group outings you know that sales element really uh, is the core of what we do to get people out to the ballpark um, have those types of relationships with our fans as we would all say, there's no shortage of work to be done in the off season, and it's all vital uh, to building what we are able to put on in the ballpark each and every game. You know, since we have 75 of them, there's a lot of work to do. These things don't just happen by accident. You know, we don't just show up on April 12th home opener for 2022. Get your tickets starting March 1st. Um, we don't just show up that day and and everything's ready to go. We have to do a lot of selling, a lot of planning, a lot of strategizing, a lot of analyzing, uh, and it all goes into uh, putting together the show that that we're able to put in night in and night out. I'm not sure I follow that up, but I'll I'll give it a shot. Uh, you know, off season wise, uh, you know, like Clayton mentioned, we do work a lot together, uh, planning a lot of review of what we've done in the previous year or the previous years. You know, what maybe maybe went well and what we can expand on. Uh, maybe something that we tried that um, 
maybe didn't work as well as we thought, so maybe we uh, look to try something else in that place. Uh, just whatever we can do to try to get get uh, you know as many fans to the games as we can, and then once they're here, we can uh, help them have a good time and want them to come back as many times as they can that same season. So, you know, this past off season was a little different. We played we played later and had some extra events, so we our off season didn't start till really mid to late October, uh, whereas in the past it typically starts right after Labor Day. So uh, a little shortened, but you know, still have all the same work we have to do to prepare. Uh, you know, we're looking forward to having a, a full schedule this year, but that means, you know, like Glenn mentioned, a lot of, a lot of leg work and, and, uh, and planning and digital ticketing was a big change last year. So uh, a lot of people have that under their belt this year. I know the Skybox people that, that had that were, was very well received and really liked how that worked. Uh, pretty smooth for mo- for the most part. Never know when you do a big change like that, but uh, I think it went well. Uh, but like you said, we get together uh, as a sales staff once a week to kind of go through through the whole off season and kind of see where we're at and and uh, work toward what we're where we're trying to go. Yeah, just a few other things to touch on. Like Clayton mentioned, he he does most of the legwork on the back end of the ticket system to make sure everything is ready. Um, once we have prices finalized, so we can start getting our groups and Skybox brochure sent out to as many people as we can to hope that they would return to the ballpark for the upcoming season as long as well as getting some new customers here at the ballpark. Uh, the only other thing that they didn't touch on is we set up that promotional calendar to start figuring out what promotions we want to have uh, on the schedule so any products we need to get ordered or uh, the sales staff has an opportunity to know what we're trying to sell promotion-wise and get together that way. Yeah, and some of that really ties in what we do kind of on the marketing side as well. As those updates are made, whether it's you know pricing or, or any of the details of some of the ticket packages, um, that's really when we come in as far as you know updating the print materials, making sure the group's brochure, season ticket information, Skybox information is all updated, uh, making sure the website is up to date so that as we're directing fans there, they're getting the most current up-to-date information. Um, and then, like you said, that promotional calendar, that's something that we start building out, you know, pretty much right after the season ends for the upcoming year. And so just making sure we get that built out, updated, and then blast that out to fans as much as we can. And so, you know, as we talk about ticketing, we talk about groups, we talk about skyboxes. Um, let's kind of dig into that a little bit because we talk about that a lot. We know what that looks like inside and out. So it's a little bit second nature to us. But um, Jason, I'll kind of start with you in the group outings department. So. Um, Break that down for our listeners as far as what exactly is a group outing, you know, here at Principal Park, who can organize it, what are the options, you know, what does all that look like? Yeah, great, great question. We, our groups start at 25 or more. We have our just standard uh, group package, which is just a reserved seat that in, puts a whole group as a block of seats all reserved together. We, we start with reserving a reasonably high estimated number, and we try to get a final headcount and payment about two weeks prior to the outing just so we can release any unneeded tickets. Um, Those seats are what we just place in our reserve grandstand. The other package that we have to offer is our total picnic package, which includes a meal prior to the game. It's typically all you can eat, hamburgers, hot dogs, chips, potato salad, water, and soda. And for the 2022 season, that food portion will start at the time the gates open, which will be 60 minutes prior to the start of the game, and then end right at first pitch. That package also includes a reserve seat. Um, again, the whole group will be blocked together, and then everyone gets an Iowa Cubs promotional item, whether it's an Iowa Cubs t-shirt, which comes in medium and extra large, an Iowa Cubs cap, mini bat, baseball, or newly added seat cushion for the upcoming season. 
we have groups of all sorts of sizes from 25 to a couple thousand that we have here at the ballpark, but there's no group too small to, to welcome out to the ballpark. Uh, another opportunity that we have to offer is a fundraising aspect, um, which works great with a lot of the different PTA groups or nonprofits that are looking for a little fundraising aspect for it. So that gives us the opportunity to help welcome and help them support their cause as well. So those are the main group outings that we have, though. Yeah, and you know, obviously you know this, but um, I worked in group sales with you before I moved into my marketing role, and that was always fun to kind of work with people on the group rate. Um, it just makes it really accessible for our fans, whether it's companies wanting to treat their clients or colleagues or employees or um, a group of friends that just wants to come out, whether it's a class reunion or something like that. There's, there's really something for everybody, and it's just it just makes it really accessible. You get the block seating. You get the welcome on the video board, which... Um, a lot of groups like to, to see their name up on the video board. I guess who doesn't? But that just makes it really accessible for them. So, so Brent, we'll kind of go over to the the premium spaces of the ballpark. Um, we've got a few different levels to it. I know you've talked about it a little bit. We've got our sky boxes. We've got the Bud Club, and then we've got um, our Betfred Sports Lounge, which was new last season, the 2021 season. So, just kind of talk about those. Maybe the differences between them. Um, who can access them? Kind of the details with those. Sure. You know, as far as access, I mean, it's really anyone who maybe is looking for a little bit uh, bigger experience than, than just coming and buying a set of tickets. Uh, we've got, you know, premium options for about anyone, you know, whatever they're looking for. You know, we start with, with a Bud Club, like you mentioned. Those are tables of four uh, for $250. It's an all-you-can-eat, all-you-can-drink area. You know, all the food and, and uh, drink is included, including, you know, Bud and Bud Light beer. So, I mean, that's a, it's a popular area that food and drink is served from that area from the begin when the gates open through the seventh inning we have 14 of those tables the four tops in that area uh it's become pretty popular we've i think this is our eighth or ninth year we've had that uh, there's you know numerous dates that we have sold out so uh, it does offer you know maybe a smaller group an opportunity to you know include some food and drinks that are in a fun in a fun location um on the left field line they're overlooking everything you know as you mentioned, we did add our Betfred Sports Lounge uh, before the 21 season. You know, it's a repurposing of our previously of the Cub Club, a longtime restaurant space. Uh, so that was a difference and a change for people. Uh, we're excited about that area, uh, where that's where that's going to go, and and what that looks like. Uh, it's a similar concept with with uh, Bud Club, uh, table of four inside the restaurant. You know, it does include. You know, drinks, not necessarily beer. If you if you're more of a mixed drink or wine person, uh, does include those options, uh, and also the food, the food selections in there are some that you can't even find anywhere else in the park. Uh, definitely, you don't leave there hungry as far as that goes. Those are tables of four for 450. Uh, it also a uh, thing we're adding for 22 is an outdoor a set of outdoor seats to go with your table inside. You know, to give you a chance to go outside and sit. And then also, uh, besides having your table in there, if, if you have uh, a space rented. Uh, we do have the outdoor patio uh, outside there with all kinds of different uh, ladder golf, uh, bag games, and and everything that you would have access to as well as part of that uh, Betfred uh, lounge. Uh, and then the next, the, the probably the most uh, common one that people think of uh, as far as premium seating is our is our sky boxes. And for me, it's kind of two parts. One part is uh, we do have uh, quite a few uh, sky boxes that are leased for the season by by some of our customers and I work with those folks and and make sure their tickets are all set and work with them throughout the season to make sure everything's going well and, and everything uh, more of a customer service uh, during the season and everything 
But then we also do have a set that we hold back for rentals every night uh, for those groups that maybe <clears throat> don't want don't want to uh, lease the Skybox for the season, but they do want to have you know multiple nights for their employees or customers, or even if it's a birthday party or you know any kind of uh, church gathering or different outing that maybe wants to come to one game. Uh, our Skyboxes are a great space to host that. It's there are they all have indoor spaces, uh, kind of an enclosed area, climate controlled. Depending on if you come early in the year, it's cold. You know it's warm in there. Same as the season goes on, it definitely gets hot. So the indoor area is air conditioned. Uh, the majority of them have outdoor seats too that uh, people can access and still be part of the action. But it's nice to be able to have everybody in the those spaces and kind of control their or keep their keep their attention for, for customer wise. And then if it's for a group of employees or something like that, kind of a team bonding or team building, keeping everyone together and and enjoying the game all in one space. And we've got skyboxes. They typically start at 10 to 20 people, but we've got the capability to join uh, up to six skyboxes for those large groups. So. Uh, really, any, pretty much any size group, you know, up to 120, 150 people, we can, we can accommodate. So we are a ballpark uh, that has probably more skyboxes than any other minor league park uh, around, as far as that goes. We have 45, which is quite a few uh, for for minor league park, but we uh, do try hard to get those filled every night. So that does allow some some options for people to have. So yeah. And Brent, correct me if I'm wrong with the. Uh you know, we do have a lot of sweet space, but we've seen an explosion in those over the last year and a half with COVID and separating and being able to get people a private space has been really nice for some of those groups that really wanted to do a, a get together. That uh, exclusive area has been more and more popular as we've we've gone through this. So we do have a lot, but make sure you rent them now. Especially with the, the Sunday deal, right? I mean, that's something that has gotten really popular and I feel like anybody I've worked with that has asked about it, that has been fully booked way in advance of the season, or at least very early on. And so that's something that fans are, are typically attracted to. Sure, and I guess a little to go off a little bit without, I didn't mention, uh, you know, our, our standard Skybox rate is $600 uh, for a game. It includes uh, 10 tickets. Uh, and then you can purchase extra tickets accordingly. We also have uh, an April rate, uh, 485 May Skybox or 550 and then, like Beth mentioned, we do have a Sunday rate for any Sunday game throughout the season. They're only 425, and those have become very popular. You know that that even allows even more people to to enjoy that. And then a Sunday afternoon uh, is a great time to come out to the park, uh, whether it be a family family event uh, or something along those lines. It's definitely gotten popular, and you know, definitely usually full on those Sunday games. So you know, if that's something you're interested in, please contact us soon. Yeah. Do it now or forever wish you had, I suppose. Try again next year. Um, okay, so one big change that took place last season, and you guys have already kind of touched on it, but we're going to talk about it again, is um, digital tickets, the arrival of digital tickets. And so this kind of changed the landscape of ticketing as far as how fans can access their tickets, how they can share their tickets. And I think that's something that, like Brent mentioned with the Skyboxes, was well, a well-received change. And so, Clayton, I guess I'll send this to you because you had a big hand in kind of getting that set up and, and communicating that to our fans and kind of overseeing how that went throughout the season. So maybe even just talk about kind of the decision to make that move into the digital ticket space and then kind of how you saw fans experiencing that overall. Yeah, absolutely. So, Beth, you'll recall this really kind of all started with a preseason season ticket survey that we did uh, uh, to kind of get a feel for a couple of different topics and things like that. And as we were kind of analyzing the results, uh, you know, we saw an overwhelming majority of our season ticket base 
had expressed the interest in doing digital ticketing uh, for a variety of reasons. And many of them had already used digital ticketing to access a different event and, and just do things. It's just kind of becoming more and more commonplace, not only in our market, but uh, across the country in terms of if you want to go to an event, everything's digitized. I think it was a, a, a interesting transition. Of course, it took a lot of communication, making sure people knew what to expect. Uh, one interesting thing we found from that survey was when we used the term digital ticketing, there was an assumption of that meant mobile ticketing. And you know we wanted to make sure that we expressed express that that was not necessarily the case. It just meant that you could access all of your tickets through your online account. You can still print them off at home if you want, but it's just a way to deliver a more secure, more responsive, more flexible uh, ticketing experience, especially as we went into 2021. You know, we knew how different everything was and, and that nothing was guaranteed at any given point. So we had to, you know, 2021 forced our hand in terms of starting to move people over because if there were schedule changes, things like that, your, your printed ticket, so to speak, your more traditional ticket would have had static information that wouldn't have changed with, with the information. So making sure we are able to adjust the schedule, um, give people the accurate ticketing data that they need, as well as being able to reach those people. I think one thing that, that has been super important for us is now we're able to reach our fans that are holding those tickets. And whereas before, you know, maybe the season ticket holder heard something about a change or something like that, but they would have had to communicate with the person that ultimately had the ticket. So now we're able to do that a little bit more efficiently, um, take the work out of the season ticket holder's hands, especially on a business level. And, and it just allows us a lot of flexibility. So, you know, while we don't anticipate any changes, you know, it's just making sure that we're able to give you the most accurate and, and detailed information that we can based on the season and your inventory. So that's kind of what it went into it. And it was very well received. Of course, with any introduction to new change, there's going to be questions and concerns and things that people aren't aware of. So we made it a priority uh, of ours, um, which I think was, was the key to our success, was communicating, over-communicating, um, which for those of you that know me, that's probably a weakness slash strength of mine. So uh, making sure that we went through every detail, we hosted several sessions for season ticket holders, which we'll plan to do again as a refresher, where we went over how to use your account and talked about all the questions and things you might commonly run into. So I think that was really helpful. And once people just got in there and spent the five to 10 minutes to just click around and understand that they're not going to break the system by clicking something wrong, there's always a fix. If you have a question, you can reach out to me. That's the beauty of digital ticketing. That was the key to success, was, was communicating it, making sure people knew how it worked, and, uh, and going from there. And it's, it's allowed us new avenues of all sorts of things from, like I mentioned, communicating to knowing more data to um, starting to be able to customize the, the fan experience a little bit more. So with Major League Baseball's uh, new um, uh, role within Minor League Baseball, we expect that to, to continue down the road. So making sure that we're ahead of the curve a little bit, both as good partners for Major League Baseball, but also introducing our fans to this transition in a, at a slower pace where we can kind of start those changes slowly as they come to us. But it was a great opportunity. Several businesses uh, have told us how well it worked for us because they didn't have to mail their tickets or if they weren't in the office together, they didn't have to find a way to find the person to use the tickets. So it really became the only option for many of our season ticket holders and seemed to go really, really well. So we appreciated everyone's uh, kind feedback and, and uh, you know all the great conversations we've had, uh, but it's been a great, great transition for us. 
Well, and I think it was a learning process for us just as much as it was for our fans as far as figuring out what works best, like you said, how to communicate it with them. And um, I think one thing we found, too, is that it was just a daunting thing at first. It was just a big change. And then once people got in there and got the hang of it and saw that, you know, instead of trying to meet somewhere beforehand to give someone their ticket, they could just forward it to them and they'd have it in their email and they could access it. They realized really how much it enhanced their experience and just made it a lot easier for them to share tickets. That way if someone was arriving early, they could just come in the gates and then whenever that person arrived, they could just, you know, enter in easily on their own and, and join them in the sands. So um, Absolutely. it was something that, you know, like I said, continual learning process, but I think that's something that um, we'll continue to see grow more and more and, and get a great reception to. And I would add on top of that as well, like you mentioned, it was a great learning curve, not only for fans, but also for me, uh, you know, working in ticketing for having been, what, seven years, you know, in some way, shape or form, it really forced me to kind of step outside of my quote unquote comfort zone, start to analyze kind of where these things are going and what capabilities they have and uh, allowed us to start to kind of explore a new world where, you know, it's not just who has a physical printed ticket. It's now, you know, the account name and, and all of the things that kind of go on the back end that fans don't have to worry about, but allows us to, to do our job more efficiently and effectively and allows our ticket office to be able to provide the best customer service possible. So. And on a group's end, it's been extremely beneficial with the amount of companies that are working from home now or will still continue to work from home for at least the upcoming year of not having to meet up with one of the employees. You can just, like Beth mentioned, all you need is their email address and their tickets in their email in a, in a matter of two minutes or so. Um, so the group leaders that we've worked with that have opted in for the digital tickets have really expressed how easy it was and how nice it is of a feature to have. And to go along with what, what Jason mentioned about uh, some of the groups, uh, I can echo that as far as uh, some of our suite holders, uh, you know, especially our corporate suite holders who have you know, 72 games to distribute, sometimes upwards of 20 tickets per game. You know, in the past they've gotten booklets or envelopes full of those and would have to distribute them. And the digital, we went to the digital with that too. You know, the, the once they got, uh, you know, signed on and, and we're able to figure out how to use it, and, and um, you know, we explained it to them, and Clayton did a great job of helping them through that and helping me understand it to try to help them, too. You know, they were off and running. Uh, got numerous compliments as far as uh, how much easier it was, and like Jason mentioned, as far as how people are working outside the office at this point uh, when they have to send them to a customer or, or their employees who might not be in the office, whereas before they might, hey, stop by my desk and pick up this envelope of tickets. Well, they don't have to do that anymore. They just send them an email and... Uh, they can forward it on to whoever they want, or you know, just bring the tickets and and all arrive together. So definitely a lot of uh, a lot of good things. And <clears throat> I can also echo what what Beth mentioned about us learning. Uh, someone who's been here quite a while and working with paper tickets, and and also as a fan myself, uh, always wanting a paper ticket stub to you know just to remember a special game or something. Uh, you know, it's, it was a big change, but I think it's definitely uh, given us some great feedback and great options as far as moving forward and making things easier for fans and, and more efficient for and, us as we get people in. And again, if you're listening to this and maybe digital ticketing is still a new, new piece to you, I would just reemphasize that digital ticketing doesn't mean you have to save the ticket to your phone. You know, we still have with our system, we still have the opportunity for fans to pre-print their tickets at home. If you physically just feel better with a, a paper piece of paper in your hand with a barcode, you are more than welcome to print that out and bring it. I know that you know. while that's not the most efficient way in terms of the system, 
at the end of the day, our fans' comfort and accessibility to the ballpark is the most important thing. So that's why that piece is still in, in play. You can, you can print your ticket at home if you want to physically hand a piece of paper to someone else and just know, hey, I got into my system once, I printed it out. It's, it's an easy process. So um, that option is still there even when we use the term, quote-unquote, digital ticketing. So, Well, and I, I think to go off of that, when I mentioned the, you know, the corporate suites really took to it, I would say at this point, 50% of them still printed mm-hmm. tickets, yeah. which came brought to our tent and we scanned in, which is fine. And I think that number will probably probably go go down as we go. Right. People get more used to it, and uh, but they can still still do that, and it's completely fine. And uh, and if you're having issues, if you're Skybox at your Skybox entrance, you're lucky enough to have most of the time our VP of Premium Seating and Corporate Marketing, Brent Conkle, there to help you out. So, you know, he can always print you if you're having phone issues or maybe the system wasn't working correctly and you haven't gotten a hold of us already, you know, stop by the ticket windows or stop by the, the suite entrance here on the south side of the ballpark. Um, there's someone there to help you. We're not, we're not trying to uh, make things difficult. So if you have issues, um, you know, we know things, phones die, internet issues come up, whatever the case may be, our, our ticket office will still be there to, to provide that customer service that you're used to if you've had issues in the past. So. And that's something that is available to fans. I think one thing that has been a nice outcome of the digital tickets is that fans can access their tickets early and they can enter the ballpark. They can, you know, if they're not having any issues or anything like that, things are going as we hope they do. Um, They come, they just go right in the gates. They don't need to stop by the ticket windows. They don't have to wait in any lines, things like that. And so um, that's something that's been really nice too, is just fans are able to arrive and just go enjoy the game as they'd like to. Um, but that kind of brings me into my next question as far as the ticket windows and the ticket office. Um, obviously, a big part of working in ticketing is the fan interaction. You're working with fans, whether that's you know single-game ticket buyers, season ticket holders, sponsors, groups, things like that. Um, and so, you know, Brent and Jason, I know you guys have sat in ticket windows for several years between the two of you. I had the pleasure of sitting in a ticket window last year as well. Um, that was my first year doing that. And Clayton, you're always running around back and forth between ticket offices on a game day, troubleshooting, um, answering any questions, things like that. So let's take a break from the nuts and bolts of ticketing and talk about some good stories. Obviously, with a lot of those interactions, a lot of changes, a lot of things going on on a daily basis in the ballpark, um, a lot of different things can happen. Some are funny, some are serious, some are just totally unexpected um, and everything in between. So... Um, as you guys have mentioned, you have several years of experience between all of you. Um, what are some funny moments, memories that you guys think of, whether it's sitting in a ticket window or um, just some interactions you've had with fans? I'll start with this one. My, one of my favorite stories is the very first Iowa Cubs game I was a part of in general, whether it was attending or working. It was the first game of 2015 when Knock on wood, we had some great weather. It was 72 degrees and sunny. I've been here seven other years, and some of those it's been snowing, and some of them it's been pouring rain. So uh, 72 degrees and sunny in the middle of April is extremely nice weather for us. So uh, I was Brent's intern, like I mentioned earlier, during that season, and I did my normal 8.30 to 5 job and expected to have the night off as no help was going to be needed. About three hours prior to the start of the game, we got word that Chris Bryant might be starting the season down with us and not up in Chicago. So that, as you can imagine, made the phones and ticket windows busier than I've ever seen them. And Brent gave me a call to see if I was available to come back and work a few additional hours, 
which ended up turning into working the entirety of the game. So I came back to the ballpark, said where help is needed, and the ticket manager at the time said, here's a bag of tickets. Do you see that line that's 300 people deep now by the ticket windows? Go start walking through the line and seeing if anyone has cash and just start doing cash transactions for general admission tickets. So that's what I did. I had to keep track of the number of adult tickets and kids tickets I sold to make sure the money all added up at the end of the day. But I was out there for till at least a few innings into the game and figuring, okay, now my day is done. And nope, that was not the case. Uh, next stop for me was uh, selling beer, actually, which was the only time I've sold beer at the ballpark. Um, but next thing you know, I was outside of one of our beer boxes and helping ring up transaction as the lines for beer, as you can imagine, were extremely long when it's 72 degrees out and a beautiful evening at the ballpark. Um, and then I believe I was helping roll hot dogs at some point that evening. Um, so when they say other duties as assigned, it is really other duties as assigned working in minor league ballpark. So that's one, one story from, from my experience. Did your bag balance? I believe it did. The other guys, I know it didn't because he wasn't, uh, didn't really keep track. So, <laughs> uh, but thankfully mine did. I would have been out there with a QR code saying, hey, you don't want to wait in this line. Make sure you buy your tickets uh, online. So, uh, a difference of the times, I suppose, at this point. Gotta love minor league baseball. You never know what to expect from, from day to day. Now, you mentioned you know, your first game, Chris Bryant was here. I can get back in the Wayback Machine a little bit. My first day as an intern. Uh, first game we worked, Kerry Wood was the opening day starter in 1998, uh, which was only a few weeks prior to his 20 strikeout game for Chicago. But just fun things like that as far as seeing players and whatnot. But I guess we'll get back to the, the ticketing part of it. Uh, I can think of many times working the ticket windows. Will Call, I've worked Will Call for a decade plus, and now Jason does, does that. But uh, it looks a little different now. So many battles with the microphones, trying to get people's names when they come to pick up tickets, obviously. Usually... We'd get through it, but a lot of times, can you just give me your ID? That would that'd be helpful. And then, because those <coughs> those mics, we we go back and forth and try to get them work. And, and uh, numerous different uh, different times with being busy. I think similar to what Jason said, maybe busier than we were expecting or or whatnot. Just trying to keep up with with lines and pretty much every July Fourth game, you know, through the years was like that. Usually our busiest game of the year. So trying to get all those people in and out, but yeah, I think uh, part of what we all enjoy about our jobs is the day-to-day -day nature of it, and no day, at least game day, seems to feel the same. So, uh, you know, while there's a, a ton of different stories and different experiences we've had with different elements of what we do, um, I think what I'll share is just remembering back not too long ago. Uh, remember, this is only my going into my fourth season, so I don't have a lot of uh, experience to to draw back on, but. Um, just, I'll never forget preparing for 2020 and 2021 with uh, pod seating. I hope I never hear those words again. And uh, zip ties, um, zip tying every, how many zip ties did we do? Like 7,000? 8,000. Yeah, something plus. like that. And so our, our, now it wasn't just me zip tying. It was a whole gang of our front office of 20 or so. Keep in mind, um, we had no interns that year. And we had no interns because uh, we had no games uh, for Iowa Cubs to speak of. But for the like the high school tournament, which we were hosting, we, we had to go through. And you know at the time, we were trying to space people out more by just restricting certain seats and just setting blocks aside and trying to come up with a scientific method of what's the best way to do that. Um, and so just physically going through and zip tying 8,000 seats between the 
we'll say the 15 of us that were able to actually physically go out there and, and help out, you know, your back hurt. It was uh, almost a week uh, where we were doing it. I think my picture was used for like a Des Moines Register story or something like that. So I at least got a lot of shine or a little shine, excuse me. It was the top of my head. So you couldn't really tell who it was, but you know, that made it all worth it. No. Uh, but really, I mean, thinking about pod seating and, and thinking about the dynamic between what we're supposed to do, our entire industry is built around getting as many people into the ballpark as we possibly can and selling as many tickets uh, to seats for groups that all want to sit together and those things. And, and heading into 2021, we really didn't know what that environment would look like. And in fact, Major League Baseball had some rules in place about spacing people out and things like that and trying to find our way through the dynamic of changing our entire business model and our ticket system to do things that it really wasn't built to do. So all of a sudden I had to build blocks of seats that you had to sell as a, as a whole. You couldn't buy one out of four because that wasn't how the system was built. When not, not only as an Iowa Cubs team, but the platform itself, the technology was not there to, to do that. So trying to strategize within the parameters of what our ticket system could do and what our fans expected, it was such a roller coaster that I don't know how we made it through, but we did. And, uh, you know, there were, there were a lot of funny parts about that. It wasn't a fun experience as a whole, but um, it was an interesting process for us to all go through and adapting even day by day. I remember May we were under restricted seating, and then one day MLB said, you're good. And so we had to find a way to open everything up without changing people's expectations and things. But everyone was great about it. Our team uh, did a good job of, of considering all of our options and executing on them and also, again, communicating with our fans what we knew. So um, I think it was very – well, I, I hope to never do it again. I don't know if I physically could do it again, um, but it was an interesting experience and, and something we'll, I'm sure we'll never forget. Yeah, over the last couple of years, I think in this organization, you really had to be the ultimate team player because we all did things that you would never find as a bullet point on our job descriptions. But uh, the environment called for it, was needed, and so everyone just kind of stepped up and we did what we had to do. Um, like Clayton said, we had to communicate. I felt like every homestand we were communicating something new, some update to our fans. And so um, we all kind of had to adapt and be nimble and, and do what we had to there. And then kind of thinking about the ticketing, some of my memories sitting in a ticket window. Um, and this is something fans always commented on as they'd walk up to the window on a Friday night game. You're sitting there. And our, our ticket window is faced west. And that is the direction the sun sets in. So as those people walk up, that sun is like a laser shooting right into your eye. And so that's something that no matter how you situate the blinds, that's something that's always, <laughs> um, always going to impact you until that sun goes behind a building, which by that time you're probably done in the ticket window anyway. So um, that's something that is uh, hard to forget because that is a big part of the experience. Well, I think to go along with what you're talking about, facing west with the sun, you know, some servers in there for our computers. I mean, there's, there's two air conditioners just for, the, mm -hmm. just for the south ticket office. You know, to keep that cool, especially on those nights when that sun is just bearing in on you. Yeah, they work most of the time, and then it's always funny. You'll have someone walk up to the window and tell the person there, well, it feels cool in there. And, you know, they do get the blast of a little bit of cold air coming out, but that's like the cold air escaping, and they don't understand that that's what makes it hot in there is that the air is leaving. So, um, yeah, it's always funny to see people's reaction to kind of how we're situated. And, you know, uh, while the, you're looking into the sun, yes, but there are no sunglasses or hats in there. So uh, be prepared. <laughs> Just... Just another part of the job. That's yes. what you sign up for. Of course. You're listening to Unwritten Rules, an Iowa Cubs podcast. 
Um, I'm Beth Niesgern here with our ticketing team, Clayton, Jason, and Brent, as we talk all things ticketing here at the ballpark. Um, and so we've talked about, you know, in 2021, there's a lot of new things, policies and procedures, digital ticketing. Let's look ahead a little bit. 2022 season's right around the corner. So um, some of that, a lot of that's staying the same. Maybe some things are changing different. What sticks out to you guys as far as what fans might be able to look forward to with ticketing for the upcoming season? I think uh, one thing, it's not brand new for 2022, but it's something that if you haven't tried, uh, it was an idea developed kind of later towards 2021. The Betfred Sports Left Field Lounge, if you haven't tried that, Brent talked about it a little bit. It's kind of a new, really a whole new area that we have. It's a blend between a super premium space with some awesome food and beverage options that aren't found just around in a concession stand. You can rent those tables for a group of four, um, and you're going to have a view that uh, is different from everyone else's in the ballpark. So out there, but we also blended a little bit with an opportunity for fans that are already at the ballpark and didn't rent a table to go out there. They can pay a $5 fee, um, which includes access to the lounge as well as their first uh, beverage out there. They'll get a beverage token. And then it's kind of a place where you can order some food and hang out at some tables. Again, it's not really a restaurant style, but it is something where if you're going to take an inning to go into the air conditioning or grab some different food or, or something to drink, um, you can do that. We'll have some games set up in the outside portion of that. Um, so it's, it is a premium area, but it's not just a premium area. It's also more than that where, like I said, people with tickets already can go out there and enjoy a new kind of angle of the ballpark while also doing things that don't necessarily require you to watch the game, You know, whether it's uh, Big Jenga or bags or something like that so it's a it's a really cool area so if they haven't checked it out already i think that would be something new to to a lot of people that would be a, a fun experience for them to see at the ballpark because our ballpark's been you know it's almost 30 years old not that it looks a day over that or a day over five years old or however you want to phrase it you know it looks brand new in many aspects this was a new opportunity for us to do something a little bit different that we haven't tried before clayton anytime you want to join the premium team come on down that good. was a great great uh good explanation of that well we did say this was our sales team so yeah. we couldn't there do this go. episode without a little bit of selling i suppose and knowing that we have three of those sales staff members or four including beth herself uh we're in the process of getting ready to announce our promotional schedule which i know a lot of fans are always looking forward to seeing that release um and what's on there whether it's a bobblehead or a bucket hat so we're we're excited to be getting ready to release that with march 1st being single game tickets going on sale we want to have that out um, well in advance. So um, keep an eye out for that here shortly. Well, and someone mentioned already, I don't remember who, but this season we're going to have 75 home games. We just announced that we added uh, three home games, three away games. So 150 total Iowa Cubs games this year, which um, I don't have the exact data on that, but it's been a while since that's been the case. That's, that's you know, a lot of games on our schedule. So that's a lot of opportunities for fans to come out to the ballpark, too. And, you know, we're set to have our home opener on April 12th here at, the, at Principal Park, and we're going to run through, really, the end of September. So that's, that's a lot of baseball. That's a lot of different climates we'll probably encounter, but uh, it should be a fun summer, you know, spring, summer, fall at the ballpark. So a um, lot of opportunities for, for fans to come out and enjoy. And so really, you know, we've touched on this, but, you know, one popular question, I, I oversee our social media, I get this question a lot in comments and messages. Um, I know we get phone calls at the front desk, but people are always asking, when can I purchase my tickets? You know, as the weather starts to get a little bit warmer, the snow starts to melt, you can start seeing the grass again, you can start, you know, you can tell people are thinking about baseball. They're saying, you know, asking us, when can we get back out to the ballpark? And so 
Um, you mentioned March 1st, the date that single game tickets go on sale. Um, you know, we've talked about group outings, skybox outings, people can start reserving those. Um, so just remind everyone, when can they start buying tickets? Where can they buy tickets? Um, they want to come to Principal Park, how do they do that? Yeah, so uh, I guess mostly everything's on sale now. So if you're interested in a skybox or a group outing, um, you know, make sure you're contacting us to reserve that. Those dates do go quickly because they are more limited uh, spaces. So make sure you reach out, whether it's about the Bud Club or Betfred Lounge that we talked about or a skybox, you know, those things. Uh, we can start booking those now. So, you know, that's one opportunity you have. As far as single game tickets, uh, which means just you know, a family or, or whatever wants to get together and come out to a game or two, um, not necessarily a season ticket or a package or anything like that. Uh, those will go on sale March 1st uh, at 9 a.m. So make sure you're marking that in your calendar. Uh, for those types of information, I always tell people as well, make sure you're following our email newsletter. If that's a question that you commonly have or uh, want to know about as things get updated and we get closer to the baseball season, you can go to iowacubs.com and sign up for the email newsletter. And that way we'll just put all that information when it's available right into your inbox. So you don't have to worry about calling us or going to our website you know every couple of days to see if anything's been updated we'll give you all those changes so uh, make sure you sign up for that if you haven't already uh, it's a great way to get some information and, and kind of find out more about when things are available and uh, what's going on at the ballpark and our 2022 schedule is available like i said we just added games but that that's out there so go check it out you know find which games you're interested in you know circling on your calendar to come out to the ballpark um, we've got some exciting new opponents back on our calendar this year that, that we weren't able to see last year. You know, the Memphis Redburns are always a popular one around here. So, you know, make sure you're checking out our schedule. And uh, March 1st will be here sooner rather than later. And that's when you'll be able to really start accessing those tickets. So as much as we would be excited but also a little nervous, the 2022 season is right around the corner. That means uh, we have a lot to get done around here in preparation for that. So We never have enough time. We just never have enough time. I can't believe it's the middle of February and we're getting ready for March 1st here in a couple of weeks. So Every year goes by faster and faster. Brent, is that true? Yes. Does that continue on? Yes, that's very true. I feel like this podcast has just been a reminder of how long you've been here. So <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> and, and in addition to group Skybox season tickets, right now we do have our uh, – or single game tickets. Right now we do have our season tickets and mini plans all available. So if that's something that you are interested in, please feel free to give us a call and Clayton will be able to show you some great options that would be available. Absolutely. Um, guys, thanks so much for doing this today. I think that's really all the time we've got. I know everybody's got to get back to work in preparation for the season coming up here, but thanks for sharing with the fans a little bit more about really what goes on behind the scenes here. A lot of work goes into it. You guys put in a lot of effort and energy and time, and um, it shows as fans come in, into the ballpark and have a good time, and they enjoy it so much they want to come back time and time again throughout the season. So thanks again, everyone, for listening. Be sure to check out all the latest episodes of Unwritten Rules each week. And as always, get your latest Iowa Cubs news and information on our website at www.iowacubs.com. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to join us next time.